Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Road to Damascus Church. We're just thankful and grateful that you're able to uh, participate with us via our online worship experience. We always remember that while our doors may be closed, we may be in shelter in place, but the church is still and has continued to be open. Uh, we just want to pray that God touch you, that God bless you, that you feel his spirit and his covering around you in your life. And as we approach the throne of grace, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you. And we give your name all glory, all honor, and all praise for being the God that you are. We thank you, God, that we can continue to gather <clears throat> together in this virtual space, even though we are shelter in place, even in the midst of a plague, even in the midst of all the, the, the storm that's going on and the murders and the killings and the unrest, God, we just ask that you come into this world, that your, your spirit may reign through us, that we may change this world. Help us, God, to no longer sit by silent, that we will rebuild the walls of this nation, just like Nehemiah and the people, the remnant that went back. Whatever it takes, God, even if we have to uh, stand people on the sentry post with arms to protect us as we continue to rebuild the city, help us to be those people, God. Send us the warriors that will stand and protect as we continue to build and have the people will have a mind. Give us a mind to build what has been torn down. God, we ask that you be with those who are still suffering from this evil plague that has uh, been the scourge of this planet. That you find financing for those excessive medical bills. That people's hearts will be opened up and contribute to those who are suffering because of excessive medical bills. And we ask that the doctors will be able to find something that will get the people out of the hospital sooner than later. That they'll be comforted. That the symptoms would go away. That you, God, would reign supreme when all is said and done. That we would see that your hand was all through this from the beginning all the way into the end. And so, God, as we move forward, we just ask that you be with us in this space where we are right now, that your presence be made known, that we feel you, that, that your very touch, we just feel you with us, that we will not be worried, we will not be afraid, but we will just be able to praise your name because we know that it is your glory that has been with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, again, I want to welcome you to Road to Damascus Church. I'm so grateful and thankful that you are here with us uh, today uh, and that you will find something that maybe something will be said that will to uh, touch your heart, uh, touch you uh, to, to want to do something more uh, than what you've been doing, uh, to even help you bridge that gap, to become part of the body of Christ or even to rebuild the bridge that was broken because you have suffered church hurt because people who you believed in and trusted did you wrong. Uh, God is still here and we pray that God will speak to you through someone, through this message, whatever it is that you may be touched and feel the presence of God. And so uh, as we get started, uh, always we don't have a regular offering uh, section, but I do ask that you would consider to support our ministry, uh, Road to Damascus Church. You can go to our website to the Give tab, www.r2dchurch. That is R, the number two, dchurch.org on the Give tab. That'll take you to PayPal, or you can go directly to PayPal and search for Road to Damascus Church. Uh, and if you don't want to use PayPal, we have Cash App. 
uh, and it is the dollar sign R2D Church. Again, that is the number two, the dollar sign R2D Church to donate through Cash App. No, no gift is too large and no gift is too small. So even if you want to get five bucks, five bucks will help us continue with this ministry because we still have bills to pay. We still have our rent uh, that we have to pay. We still have our insurance that we have to pay. And we still have our mission to build God's kingdom on earth. So we still continue to uh, uh, participate in our food ministry or, or, or for helping the, uh, the LAX Food Bank. Uh, last month we made a nice contribution even though we didn't have the canned good or the non-perishable food we donated the money uh, so that is something we're still continuing to do and we also want to continue with our ability to award scholarships to students so uh, today was the day that we were supposed to acknowledge in our before COVID-19 we were in our corporate worship have our uh, uh, scholarship recipients uh, come to our church and we would hand them their check and a certificate for being awarded the scholarship. We gave out five $1,000, oh, we didn't give it out yet, but we are going to award five $1,000 scholarships. But since we're still in the shelter in place and there's such stringent rules for reopening, we are going to, on June 28th, uh, we have invited our scholarship recipients to participate with us in our virtual worship. Uh, so they will be here June 28th online. Uh, as we uh, acknowledge them for being the first recipients or well, being recipients of our scholarship and then being the first recipients of the Road to Damascus scholarship uh, that we want to make an annual thing. Uh, so that is one of the reasons, well that's a huge reason why we want to uh, continue to have financial ability to do these things for our students because the children really are our future. If we do not have the children uh, we're all, it's, everything is going to die out. Uh, I'm old aging, all of us are aging, or as my wife would tell me, she learned as a child uh, that from some of that, that sage wisdom of our brothers, our ancestors in the past, that which is not aging is dead. So while we're still living, we still want to continue to build and we still want to continue to sow. We still want to continue to reap. So make sure you consider prayerfully. Don't do anything without prayer. Uh, to uh, give and sow into the ministry. Again, that's on our church page, www.r2dchurch.org. So last week, uh, my wife has continued to tell me to watch what I do, and I keep stepping in it every time. And we acknowledge birthdays. Uh, there's always somebody you're going to forget. Uh, so I acknowledge my aunt I knew it was her birthday, it was her birthday that day, and then I started getting text messages, my wife was getting text messages, and she comes running in here telling me, you forgot this person, you forgot this person. Uh, but what I do know, that we had three members of our church with birthdays in June. I did acknowledge Nimaye last week, Nimaye Ward, our, our minister of music, so happy birthday, Brother Nimaye, and also two other members of our church, from the Petit family, Olivia and Chris. Olivia's birthday just recently passed. Chris's birthday is coming up. Chris Jr., CJ, as, we, as I like to call him, CJ2, uh, future Major League Baseball player. If you haven't been watching this boy play and you're not friends with his father to see him play, you're sleeping on him. Uh, but I'm telling you, I've, I've said it a couple years ago, and I'll continue to say it, that I'm already coming to the draft party when he gets signed by a Major League team. Uh, but we want to say happy birthday to them. And if you are out there 
and I don't know it's your birthday. You don't have to text me anymore. This is a general happy birthday to everybody in June. Happy birthday from the Road to Damascus Church. And also, we want to acknowledge uh, Road to Damascus uh, lone graduating senior uh, this year, Miss Olivia Petit, who was a, a member of the class of 2020. Uh, she has graduated and on her way to the Cal State University Dominguez Hills, uh, where she was already pre-enrolled taking classes as a high school student. Uh, and so she is also one of the recipients of our scholarship. Uh, and so we want to congratulate uh, Miss Olivia uh, and wish her success in the future and pray that she will continue and God will be with her uh, and that she will finish the journey that she's starting in this next phase of her life as she enters into adulthood because on her birthday she turned 18 so she is no longer a child and is legally a woman and we know that there's a whole lot of troubles that come with uh, transitioning into adulthood from a child in addition to uh, some of us uh, have experienced being that hard-headed kid <laughs> thinking now that I'm 18, that 18 is a magic number. Uh, so we pray that she continues to have the spirit uh, that she was raised with, with her mother and father, Monica and Chris, uh, that she continue to honor and respect her family and they continue to love and support, which we know they will. So uh, congratulations, Miss Olivia. So as we go into the service, our, uh, the scripture that we uh, set for this series uh, was from Paul's letter to Timothy, the second letter, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. Uh, and this is for the overall covering of the series. Uh, it says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. This is our Lord speaking to, through Paul, to Timothy, which speaks to us to this day. And so as we continue in the series, Legacy Killers, this portion was dealing with pride, the sin that destroys everything. Uh, legacy killers. We've been talking about over the last couple of months about the things that destroy or kill the legacy that God has in store for us. And right now we're dealing with pride. Pride, that thing that we see that is really at the heart of what's been going on in these United States, not just recently, uh, but since the very founding, the pride that allows men to believe that they are better than other people, the pride, the sin of pride that allows them uh, to worship money, to be proud, to be blasphemers, to be disobedient in everything that they do, unthankful, unholy, unloving. If there is one word that can characterize what the feeling is in the United States today is unloving. Uh, and then if we went on to the next one, it would be unforgiving. There is no forgiveness. There is no love that exists in this world. And what we have seen in these last three and a half or so years is that it, uh, this divide that has 
already been here in the United States seems to have been widened uh, by the leadership of what we had. And it's not just the leadership, it is also the people who are under the leader, that would include me, who, who seem to just feed into this to further widen the divide. And so we have had people that, that we're experiencing this thing, that we are proud people, that we are boasting people. We, we, we were talking about this in, in Bible study, uh, that people now have, have no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm sorry, several weeks ago in this series, uh, that we have become, uh, found our identity, we find our security in this national pride, this idea that because we are Americans that we are somehow better than the rest of the world, that because we are the most powerful nation in the world, that is where our strength resides, that is where why we are who we are, and we see all these things that Paul is describing in, in this and telling people to stay away from. Prideful people have no self-control, they're brutal. And we have just experienced this. We have seen this week alone, within one week, three black men supposedly killed themselves by hanging. Now, you know, three black men in one week, three men, period, three people in one week are not taking themselves out by hanging. This is a message sent by those, the evil people who are trying to keep us where we are, to continue to send this message by striking fear in the hearts of everybody that if you think you're going to change, I don't care what's going on in the rest of the world, we don't care if it's a worldwide movement, we are keeping what we are, where we are. And this is the type of thing we're seeing in this pride that is uh, uh, showing itself here and we are experiencing this. Uh, he goes on to say that they, are, uh, they have a form of godliness and we have seen that the perfect example of this uh, of a man marching down the street as he disbanded, used tear gas and, and pepper spray on people gathering uh, pe uh, peacefully to have a photo op in front of a church holding up a Bible that was not his own. Having a form of godliness but denying the power of God. And again, and Paul tells us to, from these people, turn away. And as we talk about pride, this quote is still so important by Dennis Kinlaw. He says, Satan disguises submission to himself under the ruse of personal authority. This idea that he's not telling you, you have to be submitted to me. But he gives you this idea that you don't have to follow anybody else. This personal autonomy. He never asked us to become his servants. Never once did the serpent say to Eve, I want to be your master. The shift in commitment is never from Christ to evil. It is always from Christ to self. And instead of his will, self-interest now rules. And what I want reigns. That is the essence of sin. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this world. That there's this shift from Christ to evil. It seems to me from my study of history that it has always been in place, but it is becoming greater now that more and more people are shifting away from Christ and shifting towards evil. One, one of the things we talked about uh, my, to a group of pastors and I that we get together every Saturday night and we pray and encourage each other and it gives us time to decompress, to to laugh sometimes, to cry together, but always to pray together for each other, for our nation, for the world, for our churches, for our members, our families and our loved ones, and for each other. Because just like you, 
Well, I don't even know how you guys are, but I'm going to tell you, I'm tired. I am beat down by what is going on, this constant uh, struggle, this, this, you think about your whole life that you've been fighting and trying to overcome, and then we're seeing that all that you have been told your entire life, that if you work hard, if you go to school and, and get a good uh, education, then you can get a good job, and then you can have success in this nation, only to live your life and realize that no matter who you are or where you are, if you are dealing with the face of evil at the stop, uh, a traffic stop, that it, your education, how hard you work, or how good you have been is not going to come in play when evil is trying to take you out. And we are seeing the manifestation of this evil spirit that has uh, uh, become greater in this time. So bold to even do it on film and not even worry. We saw it for 8 minutes and 46 seconds when uh, uh, that officer had his neck on Brother George Floyd's neck. Uh, we saw it play out when a young man is sleeping in his car in a Wendy's parking lot and he's fighting for his life and runs away only to be shot in the back. No longer posing a threat to anybody. I'm tired. And so we pray together because we have seen this shift and, and we, we discussed it. What is the problem with the church? Where is the church in all of this? And we're not just talking about the black church that we've seen. We've always been out there. We've always been outspoken. We've always been on the forefront. But where are the big mega churches with the, the pastors who don't look like me and you? The pastors who are on TV, where are they speaking out against the evil that we see? Unless they're part of it, because Jesus told the Pharisees that the devil does not attack himself. So maybe that's our answer, that when we see these pastors who are complicit and silent in the face of evil, Maybe it is because a house divided cannot stand. That they are indeed a part of the foundation. Just something to think about. As we talk about pride, we're dealing with this idea that when you have pride, this is your ego that has taken hold. And we have had the, the, the acronym ego stands for edging God out. Edging God out of our lives, edging God out of our minds, edging God out of our hearts to let self take control, our pleasure, what I want, what I think I need and not doing what God has, uh, God has planned for me. Edging God out. And we identified that when you edge God out, <clears throat> you're substituting something else in his place. It could be a person, it could be people, it could be things, but you have substituted something else in his place. We also said that when you are edging God out that you rely on other sources for your security, identity, and sufficiency. That, that I am identified not as a child of God, but I am identified as an American citizen. And as an American citizen, that becomes who I am identified with. That is my security, that is my identity. My job is my security and my identity. My family is my security and my identity. Who I am, my place in this house is my security and identity when God is supposed to be our security and identity. We have also edged God out when we substitute other people or objects as the source of our worth. 
that we look at these things as why we are valuable or how our value exists because of these people or because of these objects. And we learned of King Nebuchadnezzar as a perfect example of someone who was uh, edged God out, uh, someone who was full of pride of himself, and he, he had substituted something in his place. He, 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 he built a statue, and everybody was supposed to worship and bow down to this statue when they heard the music play. He is substituting something else for God. Uh, we saw that he identified his source and his, uh, his identity uh, because he was a great ruler. He was feared throughout the world and he was looking at his power as his source of his identity. And then we, he, we also see that he had substituted other people and objects in his self-worth because prior to him losing his mind, he, he, uh, he walked around looking and marveling at what he built as he said, look at what I have built by my strength for my honor. Everything, all his possessions were what he identified as what made him worth, that gave him worth. And we see this for people that we look for our cars and our houses and our clothes and all these things are supposed to give us worth that if we do not wear the, the, the hottest stuff, we don't have the brand new Jordans, we don't have uh, the uh, top of the line, the brand new edition of the phone, even though six months ago they had just released the, the latest edition, somehow we are not as worthy as those who have the updated stuff. We continue to substitute objects as our source of worth because we have these things somehow we are worthy and those who don't are unworthy you have edged God out and what we have seen is that uh, God there are things that God will let us know that we are edging God out and we went back to the book of Daniel and we see that God will give you a warning and in chapter 4 Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar about his dream and what he saw he's given him a warning and warned him uh, to, to turn away. God will also give you a way out that when he, you're heading down this road, so he warns you, he gives you a head out, a way uh, to get out of where you're going to say, stop, stop. I love this verse in Daniel 4:27. David is talking to, to Nebuchadnezzar and he's, he's telling him all these things. And he says, therefore, O king, let my advice be accepted to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's offering Nebuchadnezzar a way out of where he was heading if he would change, if you would repent, if you would humble yourself before God, perhaps there may be a lengthening of your very own prosperity. Maybe you will see a lengthening of the peace in your home. Maybe you'll begin to feel joy in your lives when you begin to break off from your sins and be righteous. But you cannot be righteous when you are so full of yourself. You cannot uh, show mercy when you are more concerned about what I want than other people's needs. You, you have edged God out. Uh, and then we'd also see that God will exact his judgment. If you, you've done these things, that you've uh, put other things in place of God, you've elevated yourself in certain areas, you found your worth in other things except God, and you have ignored the warnings, and you turned away from the way he's given you out, God is going to exact judgment. 
And it happened with Nebuchadnezzar in verse 31 of Daniel 4. And as he's walked through <clears throat> bragging about what he built and what he had, and it says, while the word was still in king's mouth, a voice from heaven fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. God's judgment, the very thing that he was worried about, happened because he would not heed the warning. He didn't take the way out. So he got God's judgment. And we here in these United States have seen we have had the word of God. We know the warning because God said you shall have no other gods before me. He said that you should love your brother as yourself. But yet we went through 400 years of chattel slavery to go into reconstruction and Jim Crow and to go into segregation. And today we are still fighting. The warning is there. We did not take the way out, and maybe what we're seeing is the beginning of God's judgment on this land. For some people, it's frightening. For other people, it is a righteousness that is coming, and it is welcomed when that righteousness comes, because then we are no longer uh, a slave to what's happening. Quick review. Edging God out. Remember the ego, your pride, you're edging God out. We do that first by when we substitute something else for God's place, when we rely on other sources for our security, identity, and sufficiency, and when we substitute other people or objects as the source of our worth. This is what, when our pride becomes bigger than God, when our ego becomes bigger than God, we have edged God out of our lives. And then what God does, God will give you a warning. Slow down, bro. You're moving too fast. He will give you a way out. If you follow these rules, if you will change what you're doing, if you will just simply repent, if you will simply humble yourself before me, I'll give you a way out. But if you don't, my judgment is going to be exacted on you. We have the ego edging God out. Then we see what God does when we edge him out. So what we need to do is have a new acronym for ego. We have to have a new way of our dealing with our relationship between ourselves and our God, the Father in heaven. So we need to go from edging God out to exalting God only. This is the ego that we need to have, exalting God only. Only Because if you are exalting God, you are not exalting yourself. When you exalt yourself, you are not exalting God. So we have to identify how do we exalt God only. First, serve him and him only. Exodus 20 verse 2 through 3. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. I have brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have brought you out of bondage. You exalt God only first by serving only him. There can be nothing in his place. There can be nothing that you even think about is more important than him. When you start putting other things in place, you're edging him out. When you raise him and lift him up to the center of your life, you are exalting him only. 
You have to move to a place of exalting God only first by serving only him. Second thing to do to exalt God only. When he, you identify God as the source of your security, your identity, and your sufficiency. Not other things. He is the source of your security, your identity, and your sufficiency. 1 Corinthians 8, 5 through 6, uh, Paul wrote, For even if there are other uh, are so-called gods, whether in heaven or earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are things and whom we live. There is one God. That is the source of my security, the source of my identity, and the source of my sufficiency, because there is one God. And then Paul just makes it plain. Even if there are other gods, no matter where they are, for us, there's only one God. He is the source. He is the identity. He is our sufficiency. There's nothing else that we need to go to when we exalt God only because he is the one that gives us all. Is it the father of, of whom all are the father of whom are all things, all things, we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. There was a, a song, an old uh, gospel song, uh, now I'm losing my train of thought, but it, it essentially says, the, uh, for him I will live, for him I will die. He is the source. That is how we exalt God only. First Peter, uh, Peter wrote, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who, were, uh, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Whatever you were before, he said, but now you are the people of God. And because we are the people of God, we have to exalt him, not ourselves. There is nothing that brought us out of darkness into light except the love and the power of the Holy Spirit and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing that we do or can do would ever take us from any place to a secondary where we need to be. Nothing of our own strength can take us from darkness into light. It is only God. He is our source, our identity, our security, our sufficiency. And when you know that, you exalt God. Here's the last point. How do we exalt God only? When God alone is the source of our worth. Instead of finding our worth in our clothing, our jobs, our shoes, or our citizenship here on earth, we have to find our, our worth in God. Psalm 139, 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. See, when you are fearfully and wonderfully made, it doesn't matter that if you're living in a house 
or living in a box. You see, there are people who have used to be high on the hog, and because life had been dealt them some blows, that they had made some decisions in their life that had caused them to be uh, to lose money, to lose their houses, to lose things then we somehow have this idea that we are not worth anything anymore. That because we don't have this car, because we have to rely on other people, because we receive this handout, somehow I'm not worth anything. But when you are fearfully and wonderfully made, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter whether you're wearing designer jeans or, or Lee jeans. I know most people I know wouldn't be caught dead in Lee jeans or Hagar jeans. But let me tell you, that when you are, when God is the source of your worth, it don't matter if you're wearing the, whatever the hottest jeans are, it was true religion. It don't matter if you're wearing true religion or whether you're wearing Lee jeans. It don't matter if you're wearing the, the latest uh, Jordans or some Skechers. Your worth is not in your clothing. Your worth is not in the cologne that you wear. So if you got on some Old Spice instead of uh, the latest uh, Michael Kors, you are still worth something. If you are not living in a house, but you living in an apartment, you still have worth because no matter what, you are still fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you realize that, you know that your identity, your worth does not come from the people that you know. It doesn't come from the money in your bank account. It doesn't come from the clothes you wear. That it comes from God because you are still made in his image. Uh, John wrote, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been re revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, the, when you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're, that, as we said, when you uh, know that God alone is the source of your worth, you will know that wherever you are, you are worthy because we are in him. We are his children. He said we are now, now we are his children and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. So whatever he is, is going to be better than some Jordans. What are them red bottom shoes? Everybody's spending all this money. Why would you spend thousands of dollars on a pair of shoes that scuff up just like any other pair? And it's not just about red bottoms. It's about people going out even with what with, with they're spending on, on these limited edition Jordans. Limited edition whatever. Somebody's selling you some of the shoes from, uh, that they kept in a box from 20 years ago. And now you out there paying $900 for a pair of tennis shoes? When God alone is the source of our worth, we are exalting God only. This is how you combat pride. This is how you get rid of the ego. Remembering that God is the center of everything that we do. Because pride must fall. Hearts must be humbled. We have to repent. Because what we're dealing with is ego versus ego. Edging God out or exalting God only. There is a battle of egos that is happening. You, me, all of us have to choose a side. 
Are we going to edge God out or are we going to exalt him only? See, Nebuchadnezzar realized in 434, he tells the story of how he lost his mind, how his kingdom was taken away from him. His glory was stripped of him. And he says in verse 34, and at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. In his broken down, wild state, crawling around on all fours, eating grass, he said, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I bless the most high and praise and honor him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and moved from edging God out to exalting God only. And it started when he lifted his eyes to heaven. That's when his understanding returned. When you look to heaven and see the vastness of the sky, there should be a realization that we are nothing but a, a speck in the sands of time. All the power, all the ego, all the mess that we have been thinking of what makes us great becomes irrelevant. You look at the stars in the heaven and realize who am I to think I'm all that without God on my side? Nebuchadnezzar had that realization. I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned. But then after he got his understanding, he said, I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever. He shifted from exalt, uh, uh, edging God out to exalting God only. Jeremiah wrote in, in his book, Jeremiah 31.3, he said, the Lord has appeared of, of old to me, saying, this is the word of God, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God said he has loved each and every one of us with an everlasting love. Everlasting means there is no end. There is no bound to his love for us. And then he says, not only have I loved you to where it doesn't it end, that it exists beyond space and time. That in my gentleness and the love I feel for you, I have created you. You don't have any ability to not believe that you are worthy, that you are loved, that God will not go to the ends of the earth for you. Because he said, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you, I have created you. 
You are who you are because of the love of God. His love is everlasting for us. And he used his loving kindness to create, to make us who we are. And we have the audacity to look to other things, other people and objects to put in place of a God who has loved us. You realize that we have spent our lives chasing after things that have no value and no importance. We have tried to prove to the world that we are special. We keep trying to prove to the world that we are worthy of some some accolades that we see in the in the world. We we chase after so much instead of believing in God. We keep forgetting that God loves us deeply. He has been looking and trying to bring us from darkness into light. And we keep forgetting that his love for us is relentless. He has pursued us, as he said, with an everlasting love. And it is just simply to bring us to salvation. What I want to leave you with today is that God's love is immense. It is inexhaustible. It is immeasurable. It is infinite. So when you are sitting around the next time, edging God out of your life, just remember, you won't have the peace that you're looking for. You won't be able to see the goodness that God has for you until you stop edging him out and exalting God only. That relentless love that chases after us, that he is pursuing us, just like the, the sheep, he goes after the one leaving the 99. Not that they aren't important, not that they don't matter, but you matter to God. Your life matters. They matter too. But right now, you matter. So as we move forward at the end throughout this day and to, through this week, remember your legacy that you are trying to leave behind for your family and your children and your ancestors, or descendants rather that pride destroys everything. Pride is destroying our nation right now. And the only way that we can stop this is to stop edging God out and begin to exalt God only. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just lift your name on high. We praise you, we magnify you, and we give you glory for being our God. Lord, we ask that you continue to touch each and every one of our hearts. 
that we find the peace that you have given us that we will no longer chase after the things of this world but seek you only that we do not replace you with anything that we realize that you are our source and our sufficiency that we can look to you in any and all situations we love you God and we praise you and we give your name glory and honor for it is in your son's name that we do pray and believe amen amen uh, I'm trying to change the screen around and it's uh, not cooperating but that's okay because I think I'm adept at it by now to get this thing to stop doing what I want and just have it do what we need it to do but we are so grateful I am so grateful that you guys have uh, spent this time with us and I hope that we have uh, shown you a different way of life and how dangerous it is to have pride take a hold and a leading role in our lives that we begin to be more like God that we act more godly that we begin to show righteousness and mercy to those who are without and more than anything else that we continue to love trust and believe in God and pray for each other this has been a very emotional time in this nation and it's not going to get any easier. Reverend Chris and I were talking last night that we are, in order to see lasting change, we're going to have, some, have to have a series of un, uncomfortable conversations. We are going to have to exist and live in a state of tension for some time. You see, when you gain 80 pounds, you look back over your life that you're 80 pounds heavier than you were when you were 25. You don't lose 80 pounds in four weeks of protesting. It's going to take a few years for you to get back to where you were. And for us as a nation of 400 years of slavery, uh, Jim Crow, Reconstruction Jim Crow, and, and uh, Civil Rights Movement, Four weeks of demonstrating in the street is not going to make everything go away. This is going to be a process and it is going to require everybody to touch and tap into the strength of God and the Holy Spirit that we can endure because as tired as I am, we ain't seen the end of it yet. So I pray that God keeps you, that he nourishes you, that he encourages you that you continue to find strength in the Holy Spirit to endure as we struggle to rebuild for this nation and for us to build up something solid, a foundation that is built on, on, on the Lord. Not on greed, not on poverty, not on hatred, not on unjustness, not on unrighteousness, but the love of God. And so may the peace of our Lord and Savior rest, rule, and abide in each one of your houses. May he keep you until we meet again, that the Spirit of God will be in your homes and in your life, protecting you as you traverse these streets, until we are actually able to gather together to embrace and touch. I pray these blessings over you in Jesus' name. Amen.